that's the reality of the Titans in the past month. It's the worst month of, of Titans anything. They're not miraculous, but just short of miraculous if they manage to turn it around. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast for Friday, December the 23rd, two days away from Christmas, guys. We're almost there. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We are also brought to you, by the way, by the 440 Podcast Network, and I am joined by producer JT. JT, how are you? I'm good. Uh, recording this after the snowmageddon in Nashville has come down. It has come Very and gone. Early in the year. Yes, Very, absolutely. Is it, is it done snowing finally outside? Uh, yeah, I, at least when I checked. I've checked about five times over the course, and every time it continues to get pile up more and more out there to whatever it can be, one or two inches. You I was know? about to say That's piled up. In pile up in Nashville code. terms, right? It's, it's, it's certainly cold, cold out there. You know, we've got Nashville snow, not much, but it is big boy cold right now. It is. Um, you know, just to to riff for a second about what's going on in my life, we we're recording this at almost eleven o'clock on Thursday night. Not how we had this Wonderful. planned out today. <laughs> Not at all how we had this planned out today. I had a, a family Christmas dinner situation in Murfreesboro, which is about an hour away from where I live, and I was going to go do that, and it worked out for us because I told JT we we're talking about the show, and I'm like, we we want to know the results of the Jaguars Thursday night football game before we record because that'll you know. That will influence how we talk about the magic number, playoff scenario, all of that nonsense. So we'll just record at like nine o'clock after the game or when the game's, you know, close to over or seems over. And based on the way that that game went, we probably could have recorded at halftime. Um, but I, I ended up doubling my travel time home from dinner because it started pouring ice and sleet and rain that then began, that then became snow. I, I left my grandparents' driveway and my car read out as uh, 42 degrees. And then by the time between between leaving the driveway to get on the highway, which is about a mile um, from their house, uh, by the time I pulled onto the interstate, my car read 22 degrees. So um, and it's, it, the rain had turned into ice pellets hitting my car and then the road became a nonsense nightmare and, and all of this. So it's now 11 o'clock. We were going to have James Foster Friday. Very sorry to disappoint, but it's too late for James. He hasn't responded to my texts, but it's late. And he said he had to, an early morning. So I, he's probably asleep. And that's totally understandable. We're going to, we're in, we're in effort. We ball mode, JT. We're going to just roll through today's topics. We've got more, 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 more than enough to talk about in the news segment. So that'll be the bulk of today's show. I've got a couple of things I want to talk about here at the top. And then also at the end of the show, our maybe most thought out best bet gauntlet yet. I know that you and I both put in a lot of time and effort into that. So excited to get to all of these things before the Titans play the Texans on Christmas Eve on Saturday. Let's start out with the results from the Jaguars Thursday night football game. So we intentionally did the show later, not this late, but later so that we're able to see the results of that game and the Jaguars handled business. They controlled the game throughout Quick sidebar, holy cow, how is Zach Wilson still in the league, let alone being allowed to start a game? He's so aggressively bad, and I feel like, I don't, maybe it's recency bias, JT. You correct me if you disagree, but I feel like tonight was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for him, at least as a Jet this season. 
I would say first two quarters, no. After they get out of halftime and it becomes the Zach Wilson show, can't do anything out there, and they put in a no-name guy from the Canadian Football League. I had to say, yes. when I heard I heard on the radio, I was like, this is the guy who won a Grey Cup. That's all you need to know to be yeah. like, what is going on here? I, I have to give him some credit. I watched a decent portion of that game for the at least the first and second quarters. Okay. It's... It, it, is Zach Wilson a bad quarterback in the NFL <laughs> terms? Yes. He's horrible. Was, was the offensive play calling and the design tonight entirely his fault? No. A lot of a lot of the plays that he was doing, the Jags basically were reading everything they that the Jets uh, offense was throwing, and he really couldn't do anything uh, on his own because most of the plays, if – that the Jags were stopping were designed where he was the first read and the Jags just kind of got just gobbled all that up. But of course you get into that third quarter there where they are down at more than 10 points and you're like, all right, Zach, you got to start slinging it. And he just cannot get it done. No. And I I've, I'm with you on the, the fact that I don't think that was it Mike LaFleur, uh, Matt LaFleur's brother, who's the offensive play caller for the Jets. I, I'm not impressed with him at all. I've not ever been impressed with him. But yeah, needless to say, the Jets stunk. It was never really a game. The Jaguars won, and now the Titans' magic number of three becomes it, it becomes necessary for the next three Titans and Jaguars combined games before the Titans-Jaguars game in Week 18 to all go the Titans' way. That means the Titans need to beat the Texans. They need to beat the Cowboys on Thursday Night Football next week on a short week. And then you need the Texans to upset the Jaguars, I believe, in Houston in Week 17, but I'm not positive. Either way, it's not happening. As we've been saying on the show, JT, for at least a week now, Week 18 is all that matters. Week 18 is all that matters. Week 18 is all that matters. And the Titans knew this well before any of the fans seemingly did. Um, we've been trying to preach that and pound it into people's head, but that's where we are. So while we're going to talk about the Titans at – uh, not at, excuse me, hosting Houston this weekend. It, it's all with a grain of salt, right? Th this game, how it goes is ultimately irrelevant. The Titans could lose by a combined 75 points the next two weeks and, and be shut out in both games and then beat the Jaguars. And guess what? They're in the playoffs. They're hosting a playoff game. This, this game, it's hard to project how it's going to go now, or it's even harder now with the fact that they could, you know, the tight, and I don't expect the Titans to do this. Mike Vrabel's not this kind of guy. They could kind of decide to, you know, you know, fold the tents and, and pack it up and, you know, not, not just sit everybody until week 18, but really play conservatively and play um, safely play without giving anything away in the next two weeks. And I don't think you'll see, you know, guys pushing to get back from injury earlier than they should have. You know, any guy that you see that's questionable on an injury report, I think they're the most questionable now than than they ever have been because guys aren't going to be rushing to get back when these games sort of matter for the Titans, but they really don't matter for the Titans. What matters these next two games, and I think Paul Kaharski was the one who tweeted something out to this effect earlier in the week, just because these games don't matter for the Titans and they shouldn't, they shouldn't expend healthy bodies or unhealthy bodies in a way that's unwise when focusing on week 18. That doesn't mean that they need to, you know, not try to 
figure out how to get into rhythm and play decent football. Because if they, if they don't figure some things out on the offensive side of the ball in particular in the next two weeks with Malik Willis, who it seemingly is going to be the guy in week 18, they, they can't just roll into Jacksonville and flip a switch. It's not how it works. And this team has, has really struggled offensively all year, but in the last couple of weeks in particular, they can't suddenly, you know, even if they get guys back, even if Burks is back and the offensive line gets healthy, like all of these things, they can't suddenly get good if they don't work on some things in the next week or two. So that's the important thing. We can go ahead and talk about this game. I don't have a ton of thoughts, really, because again, I, who knows how it's going to go? Who knows what the game plan is going to be? And who knows, you know, whether they're going to take it that seriously, because again, it doesn't really matter. However, the biggest thing whenever the Titans play the Texans recently is, hey, did you know that Derrick Henry has rushed for an average of 200 and blah, blah, blah yards and two plus blah, blah, blah touchdowns the last 10,000 times he's played the Houston Texans? I think that that number is at an all-time risk of, of falling apart this week purely because I don't know if you checked, but there's nobody to run block for him. The entire offensive line is dead. We'll talk about that in the news segment with JT in a moment. I don't see how he gets to really even a hundred yards rushing in this game. I could, here's what I, here's the compromise. I think, I think you could see a 200 all purpose yards game from Derrick Henry, because I think he might have 150 yards in the screen game because that might be all the time Malik Willis has with this pass protection to get the ball out and give him the ball. And if you get him in space, we know that Derrick Henry is a monster still. So you might see a game where Derrick Henry has like 52 yards on 23 attempts rushing and 157 receiving yards on seven catches. That's very much a possibility. And if the Titans are going to win, I think that they're going to have to implement that. I think you could just see a big Chig game, a big Austin Hooper game, which again, like, haha, like that's been the last month. It's been nothing but Chig and Hooper. And Henry, you could see those things because again, those are the guys Malik's going to have to dump it off to if he has no pass protection. And spoiler alert, he's going to have no pass protection. You're also going to see a Malik Willis under more duress than he's ever been. You know, there's not been a ton of experience on the field for him, but this is a significantly worse situation for him than he has been the previous two times we've seen him in the regular season on the field. And I think having Burks back, if he's back, is of course massive. Here's the biggest question for me, JT. We've been talking for a month now or so about you know, if this team just gets trailing Burks, if this team just gets Danico Autry back, man, this things those two guys are the linchpins of the offense and the defense. If they get them back, things are going to turn around. Well, they, they got him back, but it cost everybody else on the roster. Nobody else is available. So it's just those guys. That's the trade they made. Bad trade. Big bad trade. But I am curious to see, now that they've got those guys back, do you see some improvement, net improvement from this team? Do you see, you know, they lost a bunch of guys, but the juice that those two guys brings on their respective side of the ball, is that enough to impact this team's, you know, momentum that they're trying to build in this game? That's what I'm really, really curious to see. And I'll see it firsthand in Nissan Stadium on Saturday, freezing my butt off when I go out for pregame warm-ups and then being very, very glad that I get to go sit in a warm press box to watch what could be an unwatchable football game. I will say, by the way, this football game, I was checking earlier today, JT, on Ticketmaster, you can get a, in the door to Nissan Stadium for this game for a crisp $10 bill. One Alexander Hamilton 
we'll get you at the door for this game. And I, I think that I've, I've been sent screenshots on Twitter since then of even lower ticket prices. I saw one guy claiming he could get tickets for two bucks. Uh, it's something when you can get an NFL ticket that is going to cost you more in fees from Ticketmaster than it is for the actual ticket. That's where we're at. I've got a very good friend, a family friend of mine that I've grown up forever. He texted me earlier today. You know, MJT Austin texted me and he said that him and his dad and his brother got tickets to this game in a uh, club level for 20 bucks a piece. So, which that's the move guys. If you can get cheap club level tickets to this game, you can go into the club suites and just thaw out whatever. That is the move right there. This is going to be one of those games, JT, that I think looks a lot like the COVID year. So I got to go to a handful of the games during the COVID year when the Titans were at reduced capacity. And in terms of fan noise and like atmosphere, it's obviously lessened. Um, at the time, it was like 15 to 20% capacity in the stadium. But in terms of just comfortability, you know, the weather is not going to be comfortable. It's going to be frigid, but it's kind of delightful. No lines in the bathroom, no lines at concessions, nobody crowding you in the row, the ability to change your seat up, finding open seats and sitting where you'd like, uh, the ability to really stretch out your legs, kick your feet up on the chairs in front of you. Like that's, that's what I'm expecting this atmosphere to look like on Nissan stadium. I think it's going to look as bad as it's ever been outside of those COVID reduced capacity games, which is hilarious. And I'm going to send lots of pictures on Twitter throughout the morning as as people fill into this stadium because you know no texans fans are here for this either it's going to be a ghost town and you might you might you know hold out if you might want to go to this game you might get somebody to pay you to take their tickets the way that things are trending ten dollar ticket your frostbite bill might cost about twelve thousand dollars when you get back home and you realize you got to get four toes amputated and then the emotional damage that you're risking by going to this game is priceless. So there is serious cost involved outside of the ticket price. But this game, God, I'm, 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 my mouth to God's ears right now. Just be watchable. Please be watchable. I want to talk before we get to the news, which is, the, again, the bulk of our show, because it's going to take JT 13 and a half hours to read off the guys on the injury report this week and talk about the guys on IR and talk about the guys that were brought in. It's going to be a nightmare, so you're going to have to buckle in for that. Before we get to that, I want to talk about something that I was keying in on on Twitter earlier this week. It, it struck me when the torrent of bad Titans news that came down all week long, most all of it injury news. I'm sitting there thinking, it feels like it wasn't that long ago that things were really nice in the Titans world. Everything was looking up. Everything was looking good. And so I went and just did some digging and put together the actual timeline of when did things happen over the past month. And JT, it really all stems back to the night of November 17th and the morning of November 18th. So the night of November 17th is a Thursday night. The Titans are in Green Bay. They get their biggest and best win of the year, most convincing win of the year over the Packers. Seemingly kill the Packers playoff hopes. They've come back from that a little bit, but made it very difficult on them. And you got Traylon Burks showing up in a big way. Ryan Tannehill with one of his best passing games as a Titan. Titans are at seven and three at the time, I believe. They have a three or four game lead in the division. Everything is rosy, rosy for the Titans. They're going to walk to the division title. You wake up the morning of November 18th. And the sky literally falls from above. Everything comes crashing down. And in the month after the morning of November 18th, everything is a disaster for the Titans. That morning, 
Friday morning, you can't even enjoy the Titans win all that much because Todd Downing, the Titans offensive coordinator, gets a very public, very embarrassing DUI in the wee hours of the morning after the Titans plane ride home the night previous. He had a couple too many uh, bush lattes on the flight home, which is in direct violation of NFL protocol. And he essentially is the kid in the class that ruins the candy bowl set out in public for everybody else because he can't keep his grubby little fingers out of there. The NFL had a very long-standing policy of no alcohol on team planes and in buses and in locker rooms. People had been abiding by that and just being, I don't know, responsible adults. Todd Downing couldn't handle it. And so he goes for a little booze cruise and gets everybody in trouble, himself included. Becomes a massive, massive distraction for this Titans team. They go into a Cincinnati game, I think, distracted. They lose a close one. They then lose four consecutive. They then fire their GM, John Robinson, who 10 seconds ago was hashtag trust in J-Rob, hashtag the man, hashtag I'd die for J-Rob. So J-Rob is fired. And then you have Danico Autry hurt in that game in Green Bay. The Titans pass rush goes completely MIA. Jeffrey Simmons it has a bum ankle. So for a month, you've got no Autry and half of Simmons and everything crumbling around them on defense in terms of personnel. They go from three sacks a game to three sacks in a month. Then Traylon Burks is murdered in plain daylight. The only guy providing a spark for this offense in a big way. The only guy that can get decent separation and man coverage in the in the NFL on this team that's a receiving threat. He gets murdered in, in plain daylight in Philadelphia. The guy's not fined for it, by the way. Still ridiculous. He's down for the count and is still not back. Hopefully back this week, but we'll see. Not a sure thing. You got freedom from Dennis Daly, which seems to be on the horizon for about 15 snaps last weekend when you had an ACL tear. Steal that away from us. Dylan Raidens comes in in L.A. Looks like he's going to finally give us a, a, a reprieve of some sort from Dennis Daly at left tackle. Plays some really nice pass protection snaps for two, maybe three series. Goes down with a knee injury, doesn't return. On IR now with an ACL tear. His season and frankly probably next season are toast so that's another sunk cost lost by the titans Tannehill likely done for the year we're gonna talk about that more in the news segment he's probably done for the year based on reports and his ankle injuries have plugged him all year they've been a direct result of his offensive line getting him murdered each and every week and it finally caught up to them it finally caught up to them the titans had Tannehill. he was the iron man for this team for three years three and a half years and then this year, it finally caught up to them. They can't keep getting a 34-year-old pummeled in the pocket by a, a paper-thin offensive line. Crazy to think that that's how that works, people. Then you have the only two good offensive linemen that the Titans have murdered in L.A. as well. Those guys can't go. We're going to talk about that more in the rundown. I'm getting, I'm getting, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, JT? And very animated over this because this has all happened in like the last 12 seconds. And the Titans have gone from just cruising to an AFC South victory at seven and three off of a big national win on Thursday night to from that morning after until today, roughly a month later, everything, everything has fallen apart. And now this team is fighting for their lives with more than half of the team dead in the gutter on IR on in the injury report with no signs of coming back. It's rough. It's rough out here. Now that's again, not to say, they can't. It's not to say that they won't. It's to say that they've made it way, way, way tougher on themselves. And 
not entirely of their own doing. Injuries have been a big part of this. Then it needed to be, frankly. They they really went up to Green Bay on Thursday Night Football and, and got their most solid win of the year. Looked like they were putting it all together at the right time. And then Todd Downing got a DUI. And the sky has been falling ever since. That's that's really the narrative that I'm trying to paint here. And I'm not even really having to do much work because it writes itself. That's the reality of the Titans in the past month. It's the worst month of, of Titans anything in a long, long time. And it's going to be not miraculous, but just short of miraculous if they manage to turn it around in these last three weeks. We will see, beginning with their third to final game this weekend against the Texans in Nissan Stadium. Going to be nice and chilly. JT, let's talk about that and more in the news. Let's get into some Titans news. You know, Easton, every week I feel like I say this is the worst injury report we've seen all year. But I think this week, week 15s, is the worst injury report this year and maybe that I've ever seen on any NFL team ever. Why don't you unfurl the injury scroll for us? Just let it run down the floor, out out the door, down the hallway, down the street. It's going down the mountain, like, you know, like in Kung Fu Panda, where Poe has to do all the script. It's going all the way down. All the way That's down. That's how long yeah, this yeah. is. All right, into let's town. jump into this and dissect this. Let's start with some good news. All right, one at a time. There's not a lot of it, but let's talk about the guys who don't have injury designation this week and are looking good to go for this Woo! game. So, Danico Autry, finally, welcome back. Danico no Autry. designation. He's ready to go, No baby. designation. He's back. Two Official Two full practices this week, so he's looking good to go. Jeffrey Simmons, of course, is going to go for this team, and then Andrew Adams are the only ones on this injury report that who dealt with an injury this week and are looking good to go. So, hey, as they say, big that's big. So, it, it will it will be a massive plus to get Autry back on this defensive front, and right, so who's, that who's is maybe where, back. Uh, that's where the good news uh, ends. ends there. So let's talk about <laughs> okay. the guys who are maybe. Uh, so we have the guys who have a chance to play are Aaron Brewer, mm-hmm. Nicholas Petit-Ferrer. Gonna need those guys. Traylon Burks. Gonna need him. Trey Avery. Gonna need him. Imani Hooker. They are all listed Holy with cow. questionable. That's so, a, it's amazing, JT. No, sorry, finish what you're going to say, but I have I was going to say, at least for Malik, it would be massive if he could get Nicholas Petit for Aaron Brewer out there and Ann Burks to yeah. uh, be out there against this feisty Texans team who has put up a massive fight in the past two weeks here. Against good um, teams. Against very good teams. Much better teams than the Titans. Very much better teams than the Texans or the Titans will be yes. this week. You are totally correct. Um it's going to be very interesting to see what this offensive line looks like if Brewer and Nicholas petit Frere especially cannot go. Interesting is the kindest way to put it. It's here's the thing. The name those five guys out again. You've got you've got Burks, Aaron Brewer, right. and Nicholas petit Frere on the offensive line. There. Brewer and MPF. You have your number one wide receiver, Traylon Burks, who is right. still dealing with a concussion. It, yep. it, he's looking towards probably playing, I, but I, it, I think he's then again, play. It, it's it's a question we don't know and then we have two guys in the secondary and trey avery who is also dealing with a concussion and amani hooker who are both questionable trey avery probably leaning towards playing and then amani hooker has literally been a roll of the dice all year so you got avery and hooker two very 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 important pieces to this titan secondary 
And you've got Burks, NPF, Brewer on the offense. The offensive line, the only guys that can save this offensive line from not being a total disaster this weekend. And then the only guy that can, again, really play decent receiver in the NFL on this team this weekend. I, those, <laughs> The fact that those are the five, not the fact that they have five guys that are questionable, but the fact that those are the five makes this the biggest swing in this game. If those five guys can play and play effectively, I kind of like the Titans' chances in this game. I do. If they can't, <laughs> hope you that can, they can. Hope you, that they you can. can. <laughs> you can be, yes, you want to hope they can because if you do a little bit of quick math, which it doesn't re- require math at all, if if at least Brewer and MPF are out, it, you are left, and we'll talk about the guys who went on IR, you are looking at a possible scenario where Dennis Daly is your best and most experienced yes, offensive yes. lineman on this team. I, I tweeted this, JT. I said, I said, Titans fans think they've been in hell with Dennis Daly as their weak link, worst offensive lineman on the team. But Dante himself has constructed a new level of hell, even lower that you are about to enter, which is Dennis Daly as your best offensive lineman. It's going it's to comical. be, it's it, going it's to be hilariously bad. Hilariously bad if this is the case. Now, I think that Brewer or NPF1 at least will play in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if both of them play in this game. Still, the idea that the only two competent offensive linemen on this team, Ben Jones, Nate Davis, not going to be in probably for the, you know, Ben Jones is done for the rest of the year. Nate Davis, I wouldn't be surprised if he's done for the rest of the year. Like, it's a problem. It's a big problem. And it's going to be a big problem for the Titans offense to be able to try to operate with these guys in there, I think that you actually, I was talking to Mike Herndon about this today. I think that you might actually see some more passing than you'd expect. You know, you was like, okay, you got Henry, you got a really shot offensive line. You got a rookie QB. Like they're just going to run the rock, play conservative, try to, you know, b- possess the ball, ball control. I don't think that's the case because run blocking is actually, if you got a, if you got a fresh set of five bad offensive linemen that haven't played together before, Pass protecting is actually easier at a rudimentary level than it is to to run block because run blocking is so choreographed, so synchronized, so unified. It takes a team effort working in unison and in synchronicity that that if you don't have reps together and you also suck, it's it's much easier to just basic, basic pass protection, drop back into coverage and try to keep your quarterback clean. That's what I think you might actually see more of this week. And that's why I think Derrick Henry's not going to run nearly as much as people think. Could be wrong. It could be a disaster all the way around and nobody can move the ball, passing or throwing. But it's it's a problem. And all of that is to say, let's wrap it up with a bow. Those five guys, those five guys have to, have to, have to be able to play in this game. If they can't, it's going to be it's going to be a disaster. Not playing this week. We have linebacker Dylan Cole and offensive lineman Nate Davis are both out with ankle injuries. Defensive back Kristen Fulton and Josh Johnson are out. We can't ignore this anymore. It's it's an unfortunate reality with Christian Fulton. He's he's played in 62% of his games, people. That's not enough. He, he's a really talented player. And when he's out there, he's, he's their number one cornerback, without a doubt. But he's not out there very often. He's missed a ton of games. And his inability to get over these soft tissue injuries over and over and over, year after year after year, at what point? does it become not worth at what point is the juice not worth the squeeze that's a question i think that the titans front office is going to have to ask themselves this new gym is going to be asking themselves when they look at this roster and see a guy like fulton who's really talented as a top-end healthy guy but he can't stay healthy 
So those are our guys who are out not playing this week. And then if you thought, oh, okay, so that's that's our injury here. No, we're gonna talk. We're gonna go one step further here. And let's talk about the guys who are headed to the IR. Who's and are dead? Done Who's actually year. done? Yeah. So earlier this week, it, it was reported a bunch that Dylan Radens, after his injury last week, is headed to the IR with a knee injury. Yeah, and then, yes, breaking that one first. And then yesterday, it was reported that both Ben Jones and Terrence Mitchell were headed to the IR. So for, for Mitchell's sake, yet another guy in the secondary that they're not going to have for the foreseeable future. Trey Avery, hopefully back. He he knows he's going to be back, right? No designation for Avery. Or no, he was uh, Trey questionable. Trey Avery's questionable. Yeah, so hopefully he's back. You have the stalwart rookie back there in McCreary. But beyond that, <sighs> Avery and McCreary and Josh Kalou in the slot. Kevin Byard in the slot. Uh, hooker in the slot if he's back but also questionable like it's a really bad situation in terms of Ben Jones JT I think that he might be done playing football I think that he's done as a titan I think he's done playing football in general now he's the kind of guy that I'm not going to this is all reading the tea leaves so he is the kind of guy that I wouldn't expect to want to go out on anybody's terms than his own I don't think that this is how he wants to go out on a second concussion in the same year in, the, in a span of, what, two months. But he's, I think, 33, 34, or no, 32-ish. On the wrong side of 30 by a couple of years. He's got a family. He's a family guy. He, he He's never been a guy that gets beat up. It's not his thing. So if he starts to fall apart a little bit and he starts getting head injuries, which are, you know, really scary... I could see this being where he decides to hang him up. I, I'm not sure that he's back next year. I think that he might be done, which is really a bummer for Titans fans, but I think that that might be it. Yeah, and let's move on to the man of the hour, of course. There's one guy who we have not talked about at all, and that's, we kind of mentioned him earlier. It's Ryan Tannehill, who was out oh. for this game with the ankle injury, but it also was reported earlier this week by Paul Kaharski that he's more likely than not needing surgery on that ankle, and it's looked like, he's going to be done for the season, not just regular, but if the Titans make the playoffs as well. Yeah. So it's interesting that report, uh, not to, not to discredit Karski or his sources or Joe Rexroad sources. I saw he wrote at the athletic this week that he got a, a secondary confirmation on that being the situation with Tannehill, but it is fascinating that the Titans have had two separate sessions this week of IR designations of three different guys and Tannehill's not been among them. I think that that pretty clearly indicates to us that they're going to wait and see. They're going to give him a chance to potentially heal up in time to play for week 18, which again is all that matters. And they aren't positive in their assumption or their diagnosis that he's done for the year on that ankle. Or maybe he's talking them into, you know, just keeping him on the roster. Don't send me to IR. Don't make it be uh, definitively over yet. Let's just see how the next two weeks go. So that's something to keep an eye on, something we will keep an eye on. Now, it could come tomorrow on Saturday that Ryan Tannehill has moved to IR, and this is no longer, or on Friday, and this is no longer valid. But it is fascinating to me that they chose not to move him yet. Something to watch. Yeah, and let's talk about the fresh blood that is joining this Titans team. All, so we gosh. have a bunch of guys here who have been signed to the practice squad and will most likely be elevated considering how this depth chart looks. Let's talk about a few guys on the offensive line here. First, 
they signed center Daniel Munier, who has Grum. had a couple of uh, stints with the Titans throughout has. Uh, his history. <laughs> we have yeah. guard Zach Johnson, who? guard Bo Benchwell. I who? don't know. I have no idea how to say his last name. Who? But he is there. We have guard Jordan Roos. Those are all guy. the guys. On That's a Titan guy. The, yeah. Uh, offensive line and then uh, and you're gonna couple... see some of them out there this week guaranteed yeah, m- more likely than not you will see no a couple you of actually are like they they don't have five other guys like they one one or two or three or four of those guys is going to be playing like the whole game so and then also in the secondary on the defensive side just a little bit more depth they brought in cornerback Devonte harris and linebacker andre smith to help out on the defensive depth and then of course not to repeat with... myself but who who are these people <laughs> you're you're gonna you're gonna at least know who this guy is uh, okay. they brought in after uh, the ryan Tannehill news the journeyman quarterback joshua dobb has oh, he joined played the, Tennessee the Volunteers. put him in baby put him in he's polished he's been in the nfl for a while this is not me just joking about josh dobbs these are things that i heard in my mentions all week from you morons out there not people that listen to this show i'm not concerned if you listen to this show you're far more intelligent than the people that were tweeting me about this but holy guacamole people quit pretending that josh dobbs because he's been the fourth string quarterback in pittsburgh for 10 seconds is this polished nfl product he was barely a polished college product he wasn't good in college. He's certainly not good in the NFL. He's been in the Titans system for 15 milliseconds. He's not playing football. Malik Willis is playing for 10,000 reasons. I can give them to you in order of importance or alphabetically. There's a ton of them. He's not playing. Get it. Stop. Stop. So two out of the three of their top three receivers are looking questionable as 50-50 to go. Of course, Brandon Cooks did not go last week either. And then you have their basically wide receiver one for most of the season, Nico Collins, out for this game. Yep. You also have Kenyon Green out for this game. So with Bingo, that's that, that's the key right there, JG. No Nico Collins, no Kenyon Green. That's that is a big deal in this game. I think that that can't be overlooked by the Titans' mountain of guys not not playing in this one. Those two guys not playing for the Texans. That's significant. And once again, we we pray to the football gods that this game is in fact watchable because without those guys, who knows what kind of offense is going to be played on either side of the ball. And that's going to wrap up at least the injury report for this game. Take a deep breath real quick because we, we finally got through that. Let's move on to the game itself. As we were saying earlier, if you were planning on going to this game, like myself and Easton will be there, you, you, you're going to want to wear at we'll least be six there or seven. Okay, I need to, this needs to be cleared out. <laughs> we're, we're, not, we're not going on, on free will. We're being say. paid to be there. Please don't pay to be at this game. So, yes, you should wear maybe six to seven to eight to nine layers as a base because this game it's is looking base. to be yeah. potentially the coldest game ever played at Nissan Stadium with the yeah. coldest game already ever being recorded at around 23 degrees with a 16 degree wind chill. This Saturday might blow this game out of the water yeah. in that in that terms because we're already looking at around a high of 21 to 22 not even gonna factor in the wind chill there it's we don't even know yet need a kickoff. yeah it's gonna be tough so bundle up and of course we were talking about if burks cannot go in this game it'll once again be the bobby trees and nwi show 
which isn't a very fun one. I wouldn't have knew that one for another season. Yeah. The pair of receivers has only caught 59% of their targets this season, which is good for 31st in the league among all teams' top two targeted wide receivers. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Uh, I, you, JT, pausing for me to give input. I have no input on this. Like, it's – they're just – they're they're not Robert Woods is washed at this point it seems and NWI as he's always been is a wide receiver three four five option that you'd like to have on your team but when he's number one or two it's a disaster. Safe to say I will be putting a couple uh, smackaroons on the over on yeah. the over of Chick and Hooper. Finally, let's end on some cautionary good news. If you Titans fans have been listening to this and being like, oh, we still have Derrick Henry, it'll be fine. As we said earlier in the uh, opening monologue as this of the show, he has... Hey, that, that was a great sentence, JT. I just I have to... <laughs> <laughs> Give you credit it is for, late it's, guys it's almost it's almost friday it is it almost, is almost friday it's almost let, midnight. Let, let's get down to brass tacks here i'm gonna this give you his average for the last we, four games can we post this is this even is it even know. runnable i don't know i guess we will sorry guys it'll be, this won't be this way monday all right whatever keep going let's talk about Derrick Henry's last four games against the Texans. He's averaged over the last four games, 30 carries for 223 yards and just over two touchdowns in his last four games. Now I say this cautiously because we just talked about how new and inexperienced this line is gonna be. So maybe Derrick Henry can show us why he is the king and go out there and put on a show. But if you're hoping for that, I'm gonna tell you pump the brakes pump him hard maybe slam on the break yeah it's uh it's not likely that it's a big game from him in the running game in the running game because there's not gonna be run blocking but you know maybe the titans focus so hard on their wide receivers ability to run block maybe they they'll just pick up the slack you know maybe maybe you can get yeah, Bobby maybe, maybe we'll have an absolute day tackles. from chris conley in the, in the <laughs> past blocking game all right jt is that it for our titans that news? is the it for the titans news holy cow we made it um Sorry, everybody. This has been 42 minutes of your life that you're never getting back. I promise that we have a third <laughs> Good segment. Good information, though. Hey, very informative. Um, maybe the most funny show we've done because it's just so unhinged at this point. We're going to rehinge ourselves because we recorded the Best Bet Gauntlet today four or five hours ago back when it's... there was daylight and it wasn't frigid outside and we hadn't lost our minds yet from sheer exhaustion. So we really did put a lot of effort and thought into this one. Uh, we've been doing it all season, and it's been paying dividends. So let's get into the best bet gauntlet. All right, JT, it is time for my favorite segment of the week, the best bet gauntlet, rolling on into week 16. And ooh, baby, are we looking good right now both of us the entire show above 500 in the money after last week you had a much needed four in one week i went two two and one no harm no foul i am sitting still very pretty at 39 32 and four you are above 500 i believe two games over 500 maybe the most over 500 you've been all season so congratulations to you on uh finally getting into the money welcome we've been we've been here but I'm happy to welcome you into the club. You're at 36, 34, and 5. And suddenly, let's see, the ties make it complicated, but in wins and losses, you're, what, three, two and a half or three games back of me? So with three weeks to go, 
I could fall apart or you could just be absolutely white hot and uh, anything could happen. It's going to suck, though, if through 15 weeks I led the competition very comfortably. And then in the last three, something happens that allows you to win out. Uh, it's not going to happen. I'm not worried, but I'm a little worried. All right. Um, but because I went two, two and one last week and you had a great four and one week, I get our first pick today. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. All right, I like today's slate, this week's slate, much more than I did. I remember last week, we weren't very fond of the options we had. To, today, I'm very fond of the options we have this weekend. The end of the year gets kind of weird because you start factoring in who's desperate and who's not, who needs games for playoff positioning or just to make it into the postseason and who doesn't, um, which which dead teams are really dead and which are going to have like a dead cat bounce and not totally suck and give up down the stretch. So with my first pick, I'm going with the Green Bay Packers plus three and a half. I'm also a grandpa today. I have written. I usually type these things up. I have written notes. I really I really dove into this because I'm so dedicated to not losing to you. I've got very detailed notes and numbers today. You're heading to the casino here to cash in some real bets. Like I any am. Other I got the tickets right here. The Let me read there. <laughs> exactly. Let me read you my tickets here. I'm riding with Green Bay plus three and a half. They're at Miami this week couple of reasons why I love this one, besides the fact that we're getting the field goal and the hook, which is obvious. Um, the Dolphins love to play man on defense. They also love to blitz. They do both of those things at some of the highest rates in the entire league. And somebody in the league who's fantastic against both of, both of those things is Aaron Rodgers. He is fantastic against the blitz. He gets better against man coverage as opposed to zone coverage. And uh, Christian Watson, his number one receiver, he's second in the league. When I went and looked this up, I'm like, Christian Watson, he's been pretty good against man coverage this year. Let me see just how good. He's second of all qualified wide receivers in the entire NFL in yards per route run versus man. So expect him to eat a little side bet advice. Maybe take the over on his yards this week. Even though they're in Miami, I do like the fact that this won't be a weather advantage for Miami. If anything else, it'll be a, a weather advantage for Green Bay because as is the case across the entire league and the entire country right now, this cold snap is going to make Miami feel closer to Green Bay with the wind and the cold than it, it will to Miami. So if anything, that's an advantage for Green Bay, as is the case for many of the teams I'll be picking for the next three weeks. A big factor here is that Green Bay is, in fact, fighting for their lives, uh, their fantasy, fantasy, their playoff lives at this point. They have to win out to have a chance. And so they're going to be taking this as seriously as you possibly can. I also like the fact that I went and looked at Aaron, looked at Aaron Rodgers' record against the spread as an underdog in the LaFleur era. And there haven't been many examples of this because under Matt LaFleur, they've been really, really good. But when they have been an underdog, he's 11 and 4 as uh, in the LaFleur era as an underdog against the spread. So I, I love his odds there. And it's really, it, it's as simple as the fact that Miami has a pretty good shot at making it into the playoffs. They're going to be, you know, fighting for pole position, but Green Bay wants this more. I think that they are excelling down the stretch. Down the stretch, their offense has looked like it's got some life. I think they're going to continue to move up and not down. So give me Green Bay. With my first pick this week, I'm going to take maybe the most red-hot team in the league, someone else who was very much fighting for a NFC playoff position here down the stretch. Give me the Motor City Kitties getting, Love. or with two and a half points going yeah. into Carolina, and it really comes down to this. 
we, we saw this Carolina team, who very much is still alive in the division, look absolutely terrible against the Pittsburgh Steelers last year. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the run game alone, they're number one in former uh, Titan running back, Dontrell Hilliard. Had, right. he, I think he had 13 carries for less than 10 yards on the day. It was nothing. Yeah. It was abysmal. This this offense that the Carolina Panthers had really relied last week on just bombs from Sam, Dar- Sam Darnold to DJ Moore, which I just don't think are going to happen in this game. Then we look on the other side of the ball here to an absolutely efficient offense in the one of the best in the league right now one of the best in the league they're fourth in dvoa since week eight they have a great offense and since week eight as well they have the 13th best defense they really are the whole package when you talk about a hot team in december coming down the stretch here which is why i think at just under the field goal i love this team i love that pick i think that that's great that that handicap to me is as simple as can Carolina's offense keep up with Detroit's? And the answer is plainly no. I think that's going to be an easy cash. I would have picked them if you hadn't taken them. That's a good pick. With my second pick of the Week 16 Best Bet Gauntlet, I think that I'm going to roll with Washington. Um, And here's why. I'm going to go Washington plus seven. Another very simple handicap to me. You go and you look at the total for this game. They're at San Francisco this week. The total is just 38. Okay, when you've got a dog of a full touchdown in a game with a total under 40, that's a ridiculously high hit rate. And the reason behind that is simply there aren't going to be enough points scored in these games for there to be this big a disparity between the winning score and the losing score. The the dog tends to cover another team right here in Washington that is absolutely fighting for their playoff lives. Love that. They're going to want it. And they're playing against a team with a coach in Kyle Shanahan, who as a home favorite is one of the worst coaches, worst teams against the spread as a home favorite in the entire league. Kyle Shanahan plays incredibly conservatively when they're the better team and at home. He doesn't want to show anything off. He doesn't want to waste any plays that he'd rather save for a better matchup in the future. He just wants to get a win and get out. And this is his, this has been his MO forever. He's also playing with a quarterback in Brock Purdy who looks very promising as Mr. Irrelevant, nearly undrafted, goes last in the draft, and now he's a rookie playing as the third quarterback in this system. Yes, he's looked pretty good in his first two starts, but we're approaching, JT, this precipice where when QBs, especially unexperienced ones, start to get some games on tape, other teams take those reps that they now have documented and they figure out how to expose these guys. And unless they have unless they have another move up their sleeve, another gear to shift into, they start to fall apart. We've seen it with guys, frankly, like Taylor Heineke previously in his career. Um, guys like, uh, I'm trying to think of another example. There've been a number of examples of these guys that come in. And I mean, Mike White last year with the Jets a little bit, they come in, they look good for one, two, three weeks, and then teams figure them out. I'm not saying this is the place where that happens, but I think it's very possible. This is an interesting point that I I found written. I forget where I found this written, so I apologize. I can't give credit, but, you know, the the Washington Commanders are getting back Chase Young this week, finally. This is going to be his debut, and their run defense is very good, only going to be bolstered by the return of former offensive or defensive rookie of the year, Chase Young. The 49ers running is their bread and butter. Like, that's what they want to do. 
if the run defense is going to be able to shut their running game down, it's going to force Brock Purdy to throw. And I know that Kyle Shanahan is going to want to be super, super conservative and not let Brock Purdy throw the game away. So I love Washington, maybe not to win this game, probably not to win this game, but I love them to cover the touchdown. I like that pick definitely, especially with how many points you're getting in that one for my second pick here. And it's going to be my first game where we, where I talk about at least the weather impacting some of these games this week, because it's a, it's a very recurring theme this week. I'm going to take <laughs> the Chicago bears here, plus eight and a, eight and a half here. And something you said uh, at the beginning of the segment here, Easton, it's a couple of these teams down the stretch here who really have nothing to play for still they just kind of come out of nowhere. And that's something that the Chicago Bears have done. We could see it last week in the game against the Eagles where this defense, whether Jalen, even before Jalen Hurts got hurt, they made him look uh, not like an MVP candidate with two interceptions before he hurt that throwing shoulder. They kept this game very close and I expect them to do it again this week. Something very interesting I like about this week is how many points the Bears are getting, especially when you consider how the weather is going to affect this game and how I think this game is going to become a They're lot more. They're playing the Bills, by the way. I don't know if we mentioned they, that. Yes, they are playing the Bills. Bears in which at, at Bills or Bills at Bears. Okay, Bills, Bills at, Bears, at Bears, Bears. In Chicago. I, I, think, I think it comes down to which running game is better, which as I've been banging the drum all season, like I did with my pick last week, with the Miami one, I think the Chicago Bears with Justin Fields and David Montgomery, who's come on as of late, have the better running attack than the Bills. I'm not saying that Boy, the Bears are going to win this much one. An indictment of the the Bills' ability to run the ball as it is praise of the Bears. I mean, the Bills just—they're yes. not a running. They, they're they not a running. are not a—they're not a running team. And I think with the weather, this is going to be a game where you have to run the ball, which is going to keep this game closer than it really should be. And when I'm getting more than a touchdown in this game as a home dog, I'm going to take the Bears every single time. Yep, I like that pick. That's a huge number to lay. I've not checked the weather, but I'd imagine in Chicago it's going to be nice and windy. Makes the passing game less effective. Makes the kicking field goals much less effective. Got to get touchdowns. Got to get them on the, on the ground. And I like the Bears' chances to do that. My third pick, I'm going to stick with the NFC East. I'm going to go New York Giants plus four and a half. They're playing at Minnesota this week. Now, Minnesota, they hosted the Colts last week in what was quite literally a historic game I love getting the team against Minnesota coming off of that emotional win I love fading teams after a big emotional win in the first place now the Giants just got a pretty big win I don't know how emotional it was they they beat Washington last week and it really helped their playoff chances but they have to continue to win if they want to get into these playoffs despite being a much less talented team than the Vikings I found some interesting numbers here the the Vikings are going to be enduring the wrath of Kayvon Thibodeau who has turned out to be a really really solid player he's a fantastic rusher he's great on the edge coming around the corner and, and he's tearing it up for the pass rush right now because of his efforts among others on that defensive line the Giants are fourth in pressure rate in the league that's important against Minnesota because Kirk Cousins under pressure is literally no longer a top 32 quarterback in the league, according to basically every quarterback metric that I could find to look up. Quarterback rating, completion percentage, um, uh, PFF rating, like all of them. When, you, when he is under pressure in snaps, passing snaps in which Kirk Cousins is pressured, he is 
ranked somewhere between 34th and 36th of all qualifying quarterbacks. He was behind Carson Wentz in most of them, if that has anything to say about it. So the Giants playing for their playoff lives. What they do well on the defense is what the Vikings don't do well on offense at all. The Vikings have been incredibly lucky in one-score games this year, but so have the Giants. They've both been kind of the bane of sports betters' existences. The, uh, the Giants, another interesting tidbit, they've got a quarterback in Danny Dimes who, for some reason, stinks at home but is great on the road and is great as an underdog. He's 6-3-1 as an underdog under Dable. That's just this year. As a road underdog, Danny Dimes covers against the spread 72% of the time, which is a ridiculous metric. For all of those reasons, I love the Giants to lose probably by a field goal in this game because that's just the way that the Vikings season has gone. With my third pick here, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons plus six and a half going on the road in Baltimore. Once again, the cold is going to play a factor in this game, but it really comes down to Without Lamar Jackson once again this week, or at least it's looking that way, they're going to have to roll out Tyler Huntley, who just frankly cannot score for that offense. They have had so much trouble. JT, are the Ravens a good football team? Not with Lamar, not without Lamar Jackson. I kind of think that they're just overrated entirely. I think they have a solid to maybe breaking the top 10 of the defensive side of the ball. They have some good players on that side of the ball. But when you look at it, this offense, like the defense can stop them as much as you can, but then you have just Huntley on the other side of the ball here who is not utilizing his pa- his pass catchers to what they usually are under Lamar Jackson. And when he has to make decisions on the ground in running, he's been one of the worst running quarterbacks that we've seen this year. On the other side of the ball, we have Desmond Ritter, who we didn't kind of know what he was going to be last week and didn't look bad against a Saints team. Of course, they lost that game, but he didn't. He looked at least serviceable with the offensive weapons that Ritter has. I look to see this game be at just like a toss up between who's going to score that field goal at the end. It's a very ugly matchup, but I like with the six and a half here, the Falcons. No, I like that pick as well. I think that that's way too many points for a Ravens team that just can't do much on offense right now. With my fourth pick in the Week 16 Best Bet Gauntlet, I am between two. I will save one because I think you're not going to take it. It's kind of gross. I'll roll with the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, now, this number has been ballooning. Last I, When I got it, for the purposes of this show, it was minus four and a half. They are uh, hosting the Philadelphia Eagles, the second of two head-to-heads couple of things off the top first of all love generally a divisional team who lost on the first matchup on the second matchup they they tend to 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 at least cover if not win outright these things tend to split they tend to be closer than they should be this game is and has been for a little bit now dallas's super bowl now it was made less dramatic by the fact that they blew that game to the jaguars last week but it still is incredibly important to the Cowboys, and it is the only thing keeping the Eagles from winning the division outright. But the Eagles, I don't think, this is kind of conspiratorial of me, but all the things that I've read and seen and heard indicate that the Eagles kind of maybe don't care all that much about this game. I think that they really don't want to show Dallas anything, and I think Dallas is going to be able to run against this Eagles defense, which is when you trust their offense. That's when they're at their best, when they can run well. So kind of double reverse psychology on the public here, who is 
recently coming in on the Eagles because it's ballooned so far in Dallas's direction. I like Dallas to kind of steamroll here. I think they they realize the importance of this game, the fact that they, for their pride and also playoff hopes, need to win this game to stay in the division race. Oh, by the way, I checked uh, two or three hours ago. As of yesterday on Wednesday, I don't know about today, <coughs> but as of Wednesday this week, the Eagles had 10 starters missing at practice. Now, that is a big deal in general, but when it's a week when you've got a backup quarterback playing, because, of course, Traylon Hurts is confirmed not playing in this game. When you've got a backup quarterback playing in a game for the first time all year, starting, not having starters to get reps with and get on the same page with at practice is a big deal. So I really like Dallas to kind of steamroll in this one. Give me Dallas catching, or no, excuse me, giving four and a half points. I think they win by a touchdown. I like that pick. Just hopefully we got to keep our fingers crossed for no Minshew mania this week. Like the days the, of the, old. The stash and the, the hair do scare me, but I think that <laughs> it's going to be too much for our guy Gardner. With my fourth pick here, I'm going to take another ugly game here that has to do with the AFC North, and I'm going to take Cleveland, minus two and a half. Now, currently looking at this Cleveland weather report, it looks like on the day of the game, it is going to be a high of 13 degrees, and around game time, it's going to be looking like it's going to be snowing a decent amount here, getting some of that lake snow here, not to mention the absolutely absurd amount of injuries on the offensive front for both of these teams. On the Saints side, we have Chris Olave and Jarvis Landry both not playing this week, and Nick Chubb on the Brown side looks to be limited in what he's going to be able to do this week, but current signs are saying that he's going to try to give it a go. It looks like he's going to play, but with weather being this big of a factor, I think it doesn't really matter. Um, it was going to be a running game, low scoring anyways. I'm going to go with the D line that I think can get the job done and stop the run better being the Browns who have just a lot of good pieces there. And I think once again, this is a Saints team that I've said all year doesn't really have an identity. I think they're going to be trying to mix in Taysom Hill, who uh, it, it really is just a crapshoot when he's out on the field. He either is really good and makes things work, or it's just kind of abysmal. But either way, I think the Browns, with their running game and their run defense, get it done at home. I like that pick. With my fifth and final pick of the Week 16 Best Bet Gauntlet, I was right to save this one. I'm rolling with Russ and the boys in Denver. Give me the let's ride Denver Broncos. I'm taking the Broncos giving three points. How many times have they been a favorite this year? Not many, but I'm going to take them giving three. They're at the Rams. They're in LA this week. Weather won't be a factor in this one, but I was looking into the numbers on this one. And I think that we've reached the point where we are undervaluing as a betting community, the Denver Broncos. That's not to say that they're good, but I think that they, first of all, they have no incentive to tank the season because all their picks belong to other people. So draft-wise, there's no incentive to lose out whatsoever. They're stuck with their quarterback until the year 2074, and they are going to get rid of Nate Hackett. There's no saving his job, right? They, They have, where's this number? Hang on, I got it lost in my notes here. Here we go. On the Action Network, which we we use a lot on the show for for reference and numbers and whatnot, great great product. They don't they don't sponsor us. We love to be sponsored by them. They don't sponsor us, but we do use them a lot. And they they put out some great numbers. Denver has fifty seven percent of the bets, just number of bets placed. 
but they have 88% of the money. That's typically a very good indicator because that means the big money, which is usually the sharp money, the smart money, is on the Broncos. That's a 31% uh, positive in Denver's direction when you compare bet total to money total. You've also got Denver quietly on a three-game against the spread win streak. They've covered almost an entire month now. They've got Russell back in this game, which as much as we want to make fun of Russ and the Danger Witch and all, like he's not very good anymore. Yeah, he's better than the backup situation. Okay, he's the way Brett Rippon. He's he's gonna be better than that. And again, they have zero incentive to take tank this season. I think that they want to finish on a, a proud, strong note. I know Russell does. And so I think that they're going to win this game pretty comfortably. Their their defense is going to give Baker Mayfield fits because that defense is fantastic. The Rams can't run the ball, and they're not going to be able to pass on those corners. Passer Tane's going to shut down whatever comes his way. I just think Denver wins this one really, really comfortably. It may be a shutout. They may win 7 to nothing. With the final pick of the best bet gauntlet, Easton, here's a first all year. Maybe a sign of the time saying that things are going in a different direction for both of us. We are not going to have a head-to-head matchup this week. Wow. I'd be interested to actually go back and look and see who is winning the head-to-head the head-to-heads. so far I'll go back and tabulate year. that. That'd be, that'd be interesting. That'd However, be interesting for sure. with my final pick, and as I've thought about this one today, it's becoming maybe my favorite pick of the week and it is probably the ugliest one as soon as i put it up here on the board it's going to be cincinnati minus three going on the road to new england now i have i have have a couple stats here for you let's talk about new england as a home underdog this year they are zero and two as a home underdog this year Hmm. as a as a on the road favorite the Bengals are four and two not to mention the Bengals are the best team in the NFL this year against the spread. They are 11 and three, They've been on a eight crazy and one spree. in their last nine games. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention the Pats are an 0 and four against teams currently over 500. Really, it's coming down to, I'm riding with the hot hand here. The Bengals are looking to gain more ground against the Lamar Jackson-less Ravens. And in three games, in, the, in games of three or less where the Patriots look to make it a close one, where all the money is going on the Patriots, the Patriots have been schooled. We can go back and look at that this, is- uh, this Bills game where everybody was like, oh, the Patriots are going to keep this close. And then by the fourth quarter, it was, it was just not a game anymore. Joke. I'm going to ride yeah. with the Bungles who are looking to make a late season run at possibly the number one overall seed in the AFC. All right. Well, in recap, we've got JT rolling with, uh, we've got a lot of, a lot of different, there's a good variety here. We've not, not got a trend. JT is going to roll with a couple of dogs in Chicago, plus eight and a half in Atlanta, plus six and a half, some big spreads. And then a couple of small favorites, Detroit, minus two and a half, Cleveland, minus two and a half, and Cincinnati, minus three. I have got three dogs Washington plus seven being the biggest, the Giants plus four and a half and Green Bay plus three and a half and a couple favorites, Denver giving the field goal and Dallas minus four and a half. Best of luck to everybody. Hope that we continue to be above 500 as the the show goes and and make some money. That's going to do it for us today on this Friday on the Hot Read podcast. We're going to skip the niceties because we, uh, well, frankly, I just don't care. You know, if you want to advertise with us, then that's great. We would love to have a talk with you about that. This show, by the way, going to be going strong throughout the Titans season. And then beyond that, draft season, You were, if you were here last year, this was a big, big, big podcast for the draft. 
It's going to be that way again this year. We're going to get heavy into the draft content in the winter and in the spring. But we've got plenty of real football left to cover. On Monday, we will be back. Now, the game is on Saturday. You won't have the recap show the next morning because the next morning is, in case you're unaware, Christmas. We're not going to record a show on Christmas Eve. We're going to enjoy Christmas Eve. We're going to record on Christmas night because that's just the dedicated sports broadcasters that we are. We'll have a show for you on the 26th, Monday morning, to recap the entire weekend of NFL and the Titans against the Texans. If you're going to Titans-Texans, best of luck to you. Bundle up. I'll be there, but I'll be in the nice warm press box for most of it. It's going to be frigid, but I hope you enjoy yourselves, and I hope the game uh, ends up being at least watchable. That's all I'm asking for. Please just make it not the most boring game I've ever watched. I'd like there to be some scoring and some drama and moving the ball. We will see. Not holding my breath on that one. If you're not subscribed to the show, please go subscribe. Leave us a like, a review, a rating over at Spotify or at Apple Podcasts. If you leave us a review and a five-star rating, we will shout you out. We will read your review on the show. JT, we've not checked in a little bit. We'll check for Monday's show. Any new reviews, we will read out. We will follow you. If you give us your Twitter handle in there, we'll say, if you want to tell us how crappy our show is, we'll read that out loud. Whatever you want, as long as it's five stars. We appreciate it. It's very important to us that we get reviews for selling the show and making our product even bigger and better and giving you more content to consume until Monday. I hope everybody has a very, very, very Merry Christmas and uh, have a great weekend watching football, spending time with friends and family. Be safe with your travels. Don't go outside and, and dive over hypothermia yeah over freezing is what i was gonna say hypothermia or or frostbite don't get outside and freeze to death maybe turn your faucet on tonight or tomorrow maybe make sure your dogs and your pets are all inside be safe out there i know it's freezing across the country and have a great holidays until monday for producer jt i am easton freeze this has been the hot read podcast we will talk to you on monday